flies in here today, yeah. And uh, so uh, we're going to continue on it. And in talking about the ways of God, we talked about, you know, you got to know what the manual says in order to operate things properly, right? And so uh, we're going to continue on that today. So if you would, put up Psalm 95, verse 10. In the King James. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their, what? Heart. And they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Now, you'll have to go back and get the tapes if, you would, or if you're interested at all. But it's not God punishing them because they're not getting to enter into his rest. It's because they're not doing the things that he told them to do that they're not able to enter into his rest. He's not a punisher in that way. It's because we're not doing the things that line us up in order to go through the door. Right. Do you understand that? It's like the door is here and we're way over here. So we can't get to the door. So does that make sense to you? So go back there and get the tape if you're interested in it. But um, in thinking about what I was going to share about, um, the Lord had me speak on this a couple of weeks ago in Branson, and I I had totally different notes for this morning, but then he said, no, this is what I want you to do. I want you to share part of that and mix it with part of this. And I said, okay, that's that's exactly what we'll do then, Lord. So that's what we're going to do. So in Branson, a few weeks ago, I was there, and I walked out, and I hadn't been there in a while. And when I walked out, everybody was doing praise and worship. And uh, I know a lot of people wonder what we're doing back there, but a lot of times we're dealing with things that are still going on. And I'm helping Keith do this, and he's doing this, and I'm helping him get this done, and I'm doing this. And so I walked out. And uh, I stood here, and when I walked out that particular time, I was in Branson, and I, and I was standing here, and instead of just immediately entering into praise and worship, I started noticing things that were wrong. Like I didn't particularly care for the way the sound was, and I had corrected it a few times, and it was still that way, and I didn't particularly care the way the curtains were, and I didn't particularly care about the way that this was, and I had, I had dealt with it a few times, and it was still that way. So I was standing there telling Dave, Make a, make a list. Correct this, correct this, correct this, correct this. And I wasn't entering into praise and worship. Do you understand that? Okay? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was standing there, and it hit me. And I looked up, and right up above the platform, which we need to do here, it says this verse. Turn with me if you would, please. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. If you've ever been to Branson, you know this. The very last part of that verse, it says, For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And up there it says, For those that honor me, I will honor. Oh, and it hit me like a slap across the face. Like Brother Hagin said one time, Lord, you hit me a low blow. He said it felt like the Lord hit him in the gut. Well, I just felt like the Lord just went flat, Phyllis. Get it. And when he does that, that's not fun. You know what? It's not fun. But the Lord will correct you to help you. And when he corrects me, I like to share it with other people because I think it'll help them. Because you know what? If I'm doing it, you can bet you somebody else is doing it too. But anyway, I was doing this. And it was during praise and worship, and my mind was not on praise and worship. And I thought about 
those that honor me, I will honor. And I thought about this. I thought, you know what? Then my mind went on a tangent after that. After, you know, kind of the service was starting and Keith was doing the offering and the offering buckets were passing and stuff. I thought, you know what? I don't go home all week long and turn on praise and worship music and just stand there in my room and do this and just worship the Lord. How many of y'all do that? I mean, just, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you get up in the morning and you just stand there and you worship the Lord. It's a rare thing. I mean, you, you have a few people that do that every day, okay? But it's a rare thing. And just totally focus on the Lord. Nothing else. If the phone rings, they don't take it. If the dog barks, they leave it. If the kids come in, they leave them. Huh? Ain't happening, is it? So you would think that we could honor God for all of... Jen, how long does it go? 15 minutes, 20 minutes max? 15, 20 minutes. You would think that we could set everything else aside for 15 or 20 minutes and actually honor the Lord for 15 or 20 minutes. But what does the devil do? He comes in... Think about this, where are you going to eat after church? Think about this, what you got to do next week. Think about this, what the kids are doing. Think about this, where are you going to go? Think about this, what you got to do next week. Think about this. The whole time, your heart is trying to praise and worship. Your head's going boing, 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 boing. And what you have to do is you have to grab hold of that thing and pull it back down and get back into worship. And you have to keep doing it, and you have to keep doing it, and you have to keep doing it, and you have to keep doing it. And you have to make yourself stay in and honor Him. And honor Him. And I was thinking about that, and it took me off on another tangent, and I was thinking about, well, you know what, Lord? It's the same way about reading our chapters. I mean, how many of us have, number one... Our pastor asked us one thing to do. He don't ask a lot, but he asked us one thing to do. He asked us to read our chapter every day. Now, if I did a poll and the Lord saw, he was standing right next to us, okay, and, and you couldn't tell a fib, how many of you actually did what he said, read your chapter aloud with your family every day? Okay, see? Only about half the crowd. And it's the rare thing. Okay, now of those people that raise their hand, how many of you do not let anything distract you? You don't let the phone distract you. You don't let the neighbors distract you. You don't let the dog distract you. You don't let anything else distract you. You don't talk about anything else. You just set aside that time, same thing, 10, 15 minutes. And don't let a text distract you. Don't let anything else distract you except for his word and honor him for that few minutes that he's asked you to honor him well what has happened is society has put god on the same level as people oh it's just we're reading oh it's just we're doing praise and worship but you know what We have got to put God, He is what we sing in the songs. He is high and lifted up. And He is greatly to be praised. 
But what happens is we get so busy doing all the things that we're doing, we just put him down as a trivial thing just exactly like we do other things in our life. And he's not that way. He deserves to be raised up. He deserves to be lifted up. He deserves to be honored above all the other things in our life and not treated the same as everything else in your life. Not treated as though you're reading a novel and you can be interrupted because you're getting a phone call from somebody about something that doesn't matter. Or a text from somebody. I taught this in Branson, like I said a few weeks ago, this part, and a friend of mine texted me, and she said, you know what? After you taught that, I purposed not to answer a text while you were doing that. She said, and I kid you not, she said, I got 12 texts and two phone calls the next day while I was trying to read my chapter. (laughs) And that's just the way the devil works. When you purpose to honor God, it's going to be five emergencies, six things that have to happen, but you have to make up your mind, God is first. We shouldn't put him on the same level as everything else. We shouldn't keep him on the level as your wife or your kids or your other things. And don't don't let me say it bad. You should honor your wife or you should honor your husband, but they're not on the same level as God. God is on a totally different level of people. And I've taught it to the youth over and over again. When we're in youth, what do you do? If we're reading the Bible, you don't do anything else. You get that Bible out, you open it up, and you read it along with us. And that's what should happen. When when someone is reading the Word, you should honor it enough to realize who is behind that Word. And don't just take it as another book. Take it as the author who wrote the book. That's the greatest thing I've always respected about Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria. It doesn't matter who's teaching or who's saying anything. If you see them in a service, they're always sitting there. I don't care if it's a 12-year-old or a 102-year-old that's talking. They're sitting there. If they're saying the Bible or they're ministering the Word of God, they are sitting there with all reverence and all respect with their mouths wide open and their Bibles wide open and their notebooks right there. Why? Because they just have an awe for this person that's up there? No, because they have an awe and a reverence and a respect and an honor for God. They honor Him. They honor His things. They honor this book. They honor what stands behind this book. The problem is we want God to honor us in everything we say and everything we do, and we want to be able to go to Him for everything and Him be instant to answer us. But are we so quick and we so instant to do it the way He says do it? He says praise and worship. We go, "Uh, this is not right, this is not right, this is not right. Praise and worship, Phyllis. Now, I can only talk about me. I can't talk about you. And yeah, that's my job. I'm supposed to be doing that. But did it have to be done then? Did yours have to be done then? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Let's go on and we'll read another verse here. Isaiah 29, 13. The ways of God we're talking about. His ways and not our ways. Isaiah 29, 13 in the King James says, Wherefore the Lord said, 
For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. The NIV says it this way. The Lord says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their worship is made up of only rules taught by men. And the Amplified this way. And the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but remove their hearts and minds far from me, and their fear and reverence for me are a commandment of men that is learned by repetition without any thought as to the meaning. people go to church and they stand there and they go through the worship service and they go through the sermon and they do it because it's the right thing to do. Because they've been taught all their life, you're supposed to worship God. You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to obey what the Bible says. But they don't understand it for themselves. They don't understand what it's even telling them. They don't understand why they're supposed to be worshiping God. They don't understand why they're supposed to be reading their chapters. They don't understand why they're supposed to be doing anything. It's just like what we're talking about. Rules taught by people. But unless you find out what that verse means to you and apply it in your life, it's just rules taught by men. You've got to find out, how does this work for me? What does this do for me? You've got to find out, how do I honor God in this myself? What does this mean in my life? How can I apply this in my life? It's like this. It's like we have a lot of people that work for us. And it's like one of the things that I dislike the most is if I get something from God on my heart real strong that we're supposed to do. And I tell somebody, and I, and I take my time, and I try to convey it to them. This is the way that we're supposed to do it. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this. And I take time, and I explain it to them. And they go, uh-huh, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell them exactly like that. And they walk away, and the time that you spent 15 minutes explaining to them the way that you wanted it done, they tell it to somebody in three words. Did they convey your heart and your spirit to these people? Did they do what you meant for them to do? Are they representing your heart? Are they keeping your... Are they doing what... Is it lip service maybe? Huh? Is that what God's talking about? That's what's happening a lot of times. The minister 
can get up here and explain to you for an hour and a half or four hours, if it's Keith sometimes. You know. I'm just joking. And explain it to you in detail and tell you in detail. And we go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And we walk out and in one word we say, oh, he said do this. Huh? Huh? Is that respecting what God said to us? Is that honoring the way that God told it to us? We've got to honor the things of God the way that God meant for them to be honored and hold them in esteem and value them the way that he meant for them to be valued. There's nothing worse than somebody than you taking the time and somebody just giving you lip service and say, yep, yep, got it, got it, yeah, yeah, going to do it exactly the way that you said do it. And walk away and do something totally different and misrepresent you on everything that you said. That is happening to God left and right. It's happening to the way that he says do things. He says for us to honor him. Does he not? Okay, does it honor him when we know what to do and we hear it in church week after week? Love everybody. Honor God. Do good to your neighbor. I mean, you could quote all those things as well as me, right? How many of you could quote the Ten Commandments? Or close to it. You know what they are. You may not could quote them verbatim. Okay, how many of you could quote the New Testament commandment? Uh-huh, that's what I thought. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. I'm not going to put you on the spot. <laughs> but you go in next door, and somebody gets, does something you don't want them to do, and you chew them out. Huh? Is that honoring God? But yet and still, you honored him with your mouth and your lips, but your heart was far from him. When we know what to do, but we're not doing it, and we know what he said do, but we're not doing it, is that honoring him? It's just like me telling someone exactly what to do, and they say yes, but they don't do it. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, got I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do exactly what you say. I know, I know, I know. I always do what you say. Don't you know I, knew I do what you say? And they walk out, and they just do, just to get, it, just to get you off their back, they go, yeah, just, yeah, go ahead. And ignored exactly what you said. Just coming to church to fill the seat, is that honoring God? That is like the rules of men. Because you're supposed to come to church on Sunday. Guys, if you don't know me by now, I'm not about just doing something to do it. I'm about results. Amen. And about you getting results that change your life and help you. And how does it help you? Look at this next verse, if you would. Genesis, chapter 25. 
And I think you'll begin to see some things. Verse 29. I think you'll begin to open your eyes onto onto some things. Once, I think you all know this story, but let's get it real clear. Once when Jacob, you remember Jacob and Esau, right? Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, this is NIV, sorry, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said, Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Now let's stop right there. Did one of these people value the things of God and the other one not value the things of God? Huh? Absolutely. We'll go on and I'll explain it more to you in just a minute. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? Where does the problem come in with most people? The things of God. Now listen to me carefully. If you don't get nothing else out of today, get this. The things of God are often not where you see them immediately. They're faith things. They seem valueless to you. Because we are so ruled by the natural realm. We live in a natural world where we feel it, we touch it, we see it, we grab it. And the things of God are so often unseen. The things of God are faith things. The things of God seem like they are almost fake. Because you can't see them. Because you can't touch them. Did he see the value of his birthright? Why? He was focused on what was here and now. He was focused on what he could touch, what he could feel, what he could see, what he could grab hold to right now what he could put his hand on right now, that birthright was useless to him. It was just a word of birthright. It was something he couldn't... It was useless to him because it was something that was way off in the future. What did it matter? What value does it have? Something that God told you about. It's just a dream. It's not a reality. It's not for real. Not really. Not for real. The things of God are, 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 they're not really real. Huh? I'd rather do this right now because I can see it. And I can have it. And I can feel it. And I can touch it. 
But it's the unreal that's really real. That's really true. That's really fact. Let's go on reading. He says, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is that birthright to me? And Jacob said, Jacob was the wiser one. He knew the value of the things of God. He said, swear to me first. So he swore to him an oath, selling his birthright to Jacob. Did he honor the things of God? Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some little stew. He ate it, he drank it, got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. And that's what so many people do without realizing it. They despise the things of God. They despise the ways of God. And they don't even realize it. So many people do not realize that the most valuable and precious thing that they have is their witness. The most valuable and precious thing that you have is God's anointing on you to minister to other people. That's the most valuable and precious thing that you have. Because if you're unfaithful in a little, God can't give you more. And when you're first saved, that is an anointing that you have on you. And if you devalue that and you don't honor that, God cannot give you more. And if the first thing you do is ruin your witness with other people because you go in and lose your cool, when you know, you know, you know, you know, it's not the, it's not what you're supposed to do, it's not honoring God, then God himself can't honor you. He wants to, but he can't. Because he said, if you honor me, I will honor you. And I know it's quiet, but you'll see that while I'm getting to this in just a minute. You'll understand it perfectly by the time... Just hang on. Okay? Hang on. You want answers, don't you? Do you want to know why bad things happen to good people? The age-old question. Do you want to know the answer to that? Then just stay in your seats and hang on just a minute and you'll understand it. You'll understand it. God said, honor me and I will honor you. He is a faithful God and he's a true God. But we have got to. If he says, when you're reading your Bible and you're reading along, you don't be doing other things. You focus on reading your Bible. When he said when somebody else is reading the Word, you get your Bible out and you join along and you read. You don't let your mind go off in 52 different tangents. Why? Because it's some person reading No, because it is honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's honoring your master that gives you your next breath. He deserves our honor. He deserves our praise. We shouldn't keep him on the level as people. He's worthy to be praised. And until we get that set in our minds, we're never going to be able to grow up to the next level. And we should honor people. People don't understand me sometimes. They, I say, that doesn't happen in the, on the platform. That doesn't happen behind the pulpit. That doesn't happen in the auditorium. We don't allow that in here. They look at me kind of funny. They're like, Mrs. Moore, 
Nobody's in here. I'm like, I understand. But do you understand? This is the same place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as it is Sunday. It doesn't change just because it's a different day of the week. I don't let our teams in here, Branson, wear anything they want to when they're up there practicing. I don't let them do what they want to do. They don't eat up there. They don't have parties up there. They don't do this up there. Why? Because to me, it is a holy place. When I get up here, I want to be able to hear from God. And maybe that doesn't make sense to you. And maybe you don't understand that. But it does to me. And do you know in the Old Testament they had to wear certain clothes? They had to do certain things. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. I mean, you go back and read your Old Testament about even going into the temple. They tie a rope on because they died because they'd done something wrong. With a bell. I mean, it's a sacred place. Just because we, in our generation, have brought things down to our earthly human level, doesn't mean God has. He is still holy. Just because we're carnal doesn't make Him carnal. He is still holy. And He's never, ever, ever, ever going to come down to our level. If we want to commune with him, what do we got to do? We got to get up to him. He's going to meet us and he's going to love us however we need to be. And he's going to forgive us. But you know what? He's never going to approve of all the things that we do. He is a holy God. And he ain't never going to become unholy. It's just not going to happen. I mean, and, and we pride ourselves in our new generation and our new churches and stuff that we can do whatever we want to do. But you know what? Some of the older churches, I'm telling you, there was a little bit more holiness in some of them. You didn't walk in the door and drink your bottles of water and eat your candy while you were in church. There was a holy reverence there. I want to see, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the moving of the Spirit. I'm hungry for God to be able to just walk in here and nobody's saying a word, just touch somebody. And miracles happen and blind eyes open and ears open and people see and hear and, and things happen. But He's a holy God. And if we honor Him, He's going to honor us. He's going to honor us. I want that honor. I desire that honor. It's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. We're going to have those things. But we have to do our part. There's things that we have to do. We have to honor our birthright or the things that he gave us. We have to honor. If he said do this, then we do it with every fiber of our being. We do it with all excellence that there is. People think I am weird as a doorknob. Because when I do things for God... I do them all out. I mean, I don't stop in the middle. I don't stop halfway. They say, Mrs. Moore, and they look at me weird. I mean, when we're doing it, we're doing it all the way if it's for God. Now, if it's for me, we might slack on it. But when it comes to doing things for God, it's going to go all the way. Because I, I just believe He is a God of excellence. I believe everything He does, He does with excellence. I don't believe He, he spares anything. 
I don't think we're going to get to heaven and, he, and the gold streets are going to be halfway done. <laughs> or he's going to have a piece of furniture there and it's going to be halfway finished. Or the light fixtures are going to be hanging down and they're going to, oh, we, we'll get to that. We're eventually going to get to that. I believe the things of God are supposed to be done with everything we have in us. And if it takes 24-7, then we give it 24-7. That's what people don't understand about Keith and I. They think we just stand up here and preach. You're hearing it a little bit on Faith Adventures. 24-7. The first 15 years that we were in the ministry, we didn't stop. And then we got a break for about a week. And then we hit it again. I mean, this life is not time to rest. This time is time to work. When we get to heaven, we'll rest. And if you're resting down here, you're doing the wrong thing. I'm telling you, you are. If you're resting down here, you're wasting time. And I don't care. People think Mrs. Moore, I don't like her because she's too mean, she's too hard. I tell you what, when you get to heaven, you may change your mind. (laughs) Because you'll say, if I'd have just listened to her, I would have da-da-da-da-da. But you know what? My goal is if people don't like me, it's okay, but they're going to have more when they get there. And, you know, we're going to have more when we get here, too, because we're going to be able to take more people in with us and do the things that God's called us to do. You know what? Everybody loves Psalm 91. Right? Let's read it. You ready? The NIV. People don't like me because I make them work. W-O-R-K. Work. It's not a cuss word. It's in the B-I-B-L-E. Psalm 91 in the NIV says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me... uh, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And that is Psalm 91. But, everybody say but. But. 
Everybody say, but one more time. Everybody shouted on the parts that said, uh, I'll be with him. And a thousand will fall at your right and ten thousand at your left. And no disaster is going to come near me. Everybody likes those parts. Everybody likes those parts. But put up the living Bible. Verse 1. What's those first two words? We live. Now, let me cover something just a minute. Now, Keith and I traveled a lot. We went from hotel to hotel to hotel to hotel to hotel. Is that where we lived? We didn't went in one hotel and out one hotel. In one hotel and out one hotel. This one was clean, that one was unclean. This one was bad, that one was good. This one was okay, that one was so-so. This one, is that where we lived? Where did we live? At the time, we lived in Tulsa. We lived in that house in Tulsa. What is happening with a lot of people is they're coming and going with God and living in the world. They're coming and going to church on Sunday and coming and going with the things of God and living 98% of the time in the world. Said to get many amens on that. I told you you would like me when you get to heaven. (laughs) Because God is a God of his word. He is not a liar. He cannot lie. And he said, he said, um... Let's see. Verse 14, the Lord said in the NIV, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. Why do bad things happen to good people? This says dwells, lives. Do you know there's a difference between dwelling and visiting? I think a lot of people visit God when they need something. But they don't dwell with God. There's a big difference in dwelling with God and living with God. Living with God is like living with your spouse. You are with them 24-7. That means you have to do what they want to do 24-7. It's not optional. Now, it wouldn't be real optional for me right now. For Keith to say, Phil, I'd like for you to do that service down there Sunday. And me to say, no, I've got other things to do. Huh? How well would that go over? 
That's what, that's what people do all the time with God. God says, I want you to do this, and they say, but I've got plans. That means they are not dwelling with God. That means they're either dwelling with their self or they're dwelling in the world or they're dwelling with their job or they're dwelling with their sports or they're dwelling with their kids' sports or they're dwelling with something else, but it's not with God. Because if things are happening in people's lives, either God's a liar or they're not dwelling with Him. You can say amen or oh me one way or the other. God either is a liar or we have to face up to the fact that we're not doing what His Word says. I told you we were going to talk about God's ways, not our ways. These are God's ways. He said, if you dwell with me, I will protect you. He said it. I don't believe he's a liar. Now, if you come to me and you said, I was dwelling with God and I wasn't protected, who am I going to think's lying? Huh? Even my own self. Maybe I was dwelling with God every day and then this day I went out and God told me to do this and I said, no, God, today I'm doing this. Was I dwelling with God that day? We shouldn't play games with God. It's not okay to play games with God. We can pretend like we're doing what He wants us to do. And we can give Him lip service. And we can say, God, I love you. I love you, God. You're my God. I serve you with all my heart. I serve you with all I am. You're my God. Oh, God, I love you. And go out and do what we want to do. And then we're open game for the devil. I don't want that for you guys. I want you to be protected. I want your finances to be protected. I want your kids to be protected. I want your life to be protected. What does any good parent want for their child? Them safe and secure. So will they lie to them and tell them, if you go to that party tonight, you're going to be okay anyway? No. If it makes them mad, what are they going to do? They're going to tell them anyway. Right? If they love them. If they love them. And if they don't talk to them for three days, what are they going to do? They're going to tell them anyway. Right? That's what I'm doing to you this morning. And I see some faces in here that are like... Like a teenager that you told they couldn't drive the car and go to that party. That's exactly what it's like in here this morning. But it's still the truth. You ain't going to that party. And you can be mad at me as you want to, but the facts are the facts, guys. I don't want you walking out this door and it raining one day and some car come across the median and slam right into you and kill you. I don't want to do funerals. I think every person in this church can be protected. I think one can fall to your left and 10,000 to our right and it shall not come nigh our dwelling. But how does that happen? Because we're dwelling with him. We're not dwelling with the devil. And half the day we love God and the other half we go do what we want to do. 
Does it work that way? Half the day we serve God and the other half of the day we go spend money we don't have? Or half the day we serve God and the other half the day we charge up things on our credit card or we choose somebody out in the store or we do things that we know in our heart. It's about our heart. That's what the first part said. Do you remember the first verse? Oh, you don't remember it. Psalm 95, verse 10. The very thing we've been talking about for weeks. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their what? They do err in their heart because they've not known my ways. And why were they eaten up in the wilderness? Because they erred in their ways, because the door was here and they were over here. He wants us to enter into his rest. He wants the very best for us. But we can't keep erring in our hearts and pretending like we don't know what's going on. We can't keep pretending like, oh, the devil's just eating my lunch and I don't even know why. Huh? Well, what did you do last week? Well, I did this and I did that. Well, what did God tell you to do last week? Well, he didn't tell me to do nothing. (laughs) Did God tell you to give that last $5 to that neighbor next door? Did God tell you to do this? Did God tell you to love on that person at work even though they are the meanest heathen you ever met? Did God tell you to be a witness to them? Did God tell you to love your boss even though he abuses you all the time? Did God tell you to work overtime and show him what kind of Christian you were? Huh? These are all things Christians do. But, see, nobody knows your heart. Oh, but guess what? There is someone that knows our heart. And you may can fool me, and you may can fool him, and you may can fool him, but there is someone that knows if you're dwelling with him. He knows our hearts. And he's not trying to keep us from being protected. He's trying to keep his covering over us. But when you decide, this is my covering, this is my covering, I got my covering over Diana. And I told her, I'll just tell you this, she may not like it. I told her one day, Diana, I would like for you to help in kids. (laughs) She thought, oh, Lord, I've never done nothing like that in my life. I don't think I can do that. But you know what she did? She did it. It's been a joy to her ever since. But that was her covering. What if she'd have said no? She'd have got out from under the covering. And part of her blessings wouldn't have been there. Now, did God move his covering or did she get out from under it? It's not that he's trying to stop the rain from hitting her head. She got out from under the umbrella. God is doing his very best to keep us safe. That's what he's talking about. Under my feathers and under my wings. 
He's doing his very best to protect us. But when we get out from underneath his dwelling, we're out in the open. We're out, out from underneath his protection. He so desires to protect us. But when we go off and do something on our own, he's like, come back here, baby. Come, 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 come. Just like your kids. When they go to that party, did you want them to go? You were doing your best to protect them. Do you hate them because they did it? Absolutely not. You love them. You just didn't want them hurt. Right? Psalm 91 says, verse 14, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. What that means is you give value to what he says do. You acknowledge what he's telling you to do. You don't just diss it and push it aside like Esau did the birthright. You say, yes, God, I know that's more valuable than this. I'm going to value that. I'm going to esteem that. This other stuff, push it aside. Because of that, I'm going to value it. And he says in verse 15, This is what he will do for you when you do that. He will call on me and I will answer him. Have you ever called on him and you kept calling and you kept calling and you kept calling and you didn't get nothing? Or have you called on him and he's answered? I will be with him in trouble. I, who's talking? I will deliver him and honor him. Those who honor me, I will honor. When you honor what he tells you to do, it gives him a legal right to honor you. Then 10,000 can fall to your left. Even though everybody else's house in the neighborhood got destroyed, yours will stand. Even though everybody else's kids in school got the flu, Yours won't get sick. Even though everybody else got laid off, you won't. You'll get a promotion. Do you understand? That's the way God works. He honors you when everybody else around you is falling. If you dwell with Him and you love Him and you do what He tells you to do. You keep His things first, He's going to keep your things first. That's the way He works. He is an honoring God. For those of us that will honor Him and recognize this is God. Okay, everything else stops. This is God. I'm going to honor Him. Then He can honor me. There's one more story I want to tell you about. And I think you'll get a real picture of it. Judges. I think you know the story. I don't even think we're going to try to read it. It's the story... In the Message Bible, about Samson and Delilah. Uh huh. You all know the story, right? Was there a man that God gave something to? Did he honor what God gave him? Did he value what God gave him? What did it cost him? His life. Look at it. It said Samson went to Gaza and saw a prostitute. That's verse 1. And then verse 4. 
Sometimes later, he fell in love with a woman. Her name was Delilah. I'm going to kind of read through it so we won't read the whole thing. And the Philistine tyrants approached him and said, Seduce him. Discover what's behind his great strength and how we can tie him up and humble him. Each man's company will give you a hundred shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, dear, the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and humbled. And Samson told her, they, If they will tie me up with seven bowstrings, the kind made from fresh animal tendons, not dried out, I will become weak, just like anyone else. Let me ask you a question. Just stop right there and think. What is it time to do then? Run, Forrest, run is right. Is it time to play with that? Do you trust someone like that? Does it matter how much your flesh wants it? See, half the crowd cut out on that one. Does it matter how much your flesh wants it? This flesh is fickle stuff. And it will cost you your life. It'll cost you everything you have. It'll lead you astray. That's what happened to Esau. He valued his flesh more than he did the things of God. And if you don't die to your flesh, it's going to cost you everything. You've got to value the things of God more than you do your flesh. It's going to come a point in time. So, he says, uh, let's see, verse 8. The Philistine tyrants brought her seven bowstrings, not dried out, and she tied him up with them. The men were waiting in ambush in her room. Then she said, the Philistines are on you, Samson, and he snapped the cords as though uh, they were mere threads. And the secret of his strength was still a secret. So Delilah said, come now, Samson, you're playing with me. Who's playing with who? What does this, the deceiver do? Exactly. Making up stories. Be serious with me. Tell me how you can be tied up. He told her. So he told her another story. Dumb. If you tied me up with new ropes, ropes never been used, then I'd be helpless. So you know the story. He did it. She did it. Called him in. He broke the ropes. Verse 13. Delilah said to Samson, you're still playing games with me. Who's playing the games? She's the one playing the games. Recognize the devil. Now, this is the one that I think just amazes me. And this is when you need to start recognizing it for yourself. Why would he even get close to the area that's going to cost him his life? Read what this one includes that he didn't include in the other ones. If you wove seven braids of my what? Why would he not say, if you did something with my toe? Why would he not say, if you did something with my leg? Why would he not say, if you tied my wrist together? Why would he not say, if you did something with my eyes? Why would he not say any other area of his body? But what did he say? His hair. 
And that's just the way the devil does. He gets people into your confidence. And he plays you and plays you and plays you. And it gets to a point in time where you just have to start cutting back and start saying, no, 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 no. I've gone too far. It's time to start cutting back. Cut off. Stop. Run, Forrest. Run, Joseph. Leave your coat, whatever you got to behind, and run. He'd still have his life. But he tells her, if you wove seven braids of my hair into the fabric on the loom and drew it tight, well, you know the story. She did it. They all came in, and the pin popped, and the loom went, and there he was. Well, verse 15. This, to me, is the cord that breaks it because you hear it all the time. And youth, are you hearing this? She said, how can you say you love me when you don't even trust me? Hogwash, devil. Three times you've toyed with me like a cat and a mouse refusing to tell me the secret of your strength. Why would he continue telling her when he's seen every time what she's going to do? Surely we're not that dumb, guys. We're smarter than that. It's time to run. And she kept after it all day, nagging and tormenting him. And finally, he was fed up so he couldn't take it another minute. So what was it time to do? Tell her or run? Are we judging him or should we be running? Yeah. So he spilled his guts and he told her, a razor's not touched my head, and you know the story. That was the end for him. Now, the reason that I told you that story is because the whole service today, I'm talking about honoring God. And it's real easy to judge Samson. It's real easy to say, he had this chance, and he had this chance, and he had this chance. But you know what? The devil is just like God. He's no respecter of persons. And he'll do the very same thing to you as he did to him. And he'll play you, and he'll play you, and he'll put you in circumstances where you know, you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you shouldn't be there. And you should have got out of that, and you should have left that, and you shouldn't be there, and you shouldn't be watching that, and you shouldn't be dealing with them, and you shouldn't be in that place, and you shouldn't be saying that, and you shouldn't be hearing that. Yet and still, you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. And the next time you tell them about your hair. That's not honoring to God. And then what happens the next time? A car accident. Or you lose one of your kids. Or you lose this and you lose that. God didn't do a good thing, a bad thing to a good person. He had nothing to do with it. He told you every single time you went in that place, don't go there. He told you every single time you put something on that credit card, stop it. You're going to lose your house, stop it. He told you every single time you picked up that phone and texted that person, stop. He told you over and over and over again, but this flesh of ours... We just continue and continue and continue till it's just no end. 
But at some point in time, you've got to stand up and be a man or a woman, and you just got to stand up and say, nope, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not, devil, shut up, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And scream it to the loudest point you have to and open your mouth and say, I'm not doing it. Stand up with me. Get your gumption on. Because everybody in here has something that they've been dealing with. We're just going to do it. Get your voice ready. I don't care if they hear us at three blocks away. Get your feet ready. The devil is where? Get your feet ready. Ready? Set. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. You got it? We should do it again. We should do it again. The devil's hard of hearing. Come on. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Now you listen to me. When the devil comes to you and tells you you got to do this to get that money, what do you say? I'm not doing it. When he tells you you got to take that stuff you don't want to take, what do you say? I'm not doing it. You know what that's called? Resisting the devil. And it's just that simple. When he tells you you got to tell that lie, what are you going to do? I'm not doing it. And everybody around you is going to look at you like you're insane. But you know what? It's better to look insane than it is to be dead. Do you know that? Yes. Say it again. I'm not doing it. And mean it. I don't care what it is. If you're going to text, if you're going to do something, you may have to go out in your yard and you may have to stomp your foot and you may have to say, Devil, I'm not doing it. And don't do it. Don't do it. Mean it. Mean it. If it's just eating, if you've eaten more than you want to eat and you just don't want to eat it, you just walk up to that refrigerator and open that door and say, I'm not doing it. You got it? Apply it to whatever area it is. If it's smoking a cigarette and you've been believing God to quit, you open that cigarette, you put it in your mouth, you stuff that thing under your foot, and you go, I'm not doing it. You got it? Some of you can slap on me. If I can do it, you can do it. I've been preaching for an hour, and I can still yell. You get it? If there's pain in your body, devil, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't have to put up with this stuff. Just say, I'm not doing it. Just stop it. I'm not doing this pain. I don't have to have it. I'm not doing it. Whatever it is, no matter what it is, if you just lose your temper and you've lost it for the thousandth time and you just lost it again, what do you do? You walk out of that room, you just lost it with your spouse again. You walk out of that room and you go, Devil, I'm not doing it. And you do that every time, what's going to happen is you're going to not do it the next time. And you'll not do it the next time. And you'll start gaining control of your life in that area. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Dan, come on up here and shut this thing up. Glory to God.